If you're listening to this podcast, you are most likely a professional in the technology industry. And if you are a professional in the technology industry, you have heard the term digital transformation. In fact, you may be responsible for helping your company or your customers with digital transformation. So how is that going? Uh, more pain than gain? Uh, more hype than home runs? I'm Tom Slaw, the Executive Director of the Technology and Services Industry Association. And welcome to Tectonic, the podcast where we explore what makes technology business models successful in today's world. In this episode, we will be exploring the journey of digital transformation with Ashok Gunasukharan, Group Vice President of Customer Success and Digital Experience at Informatica. And for those listeners not familiar with TSIA, we are a for-profit research institute we track the financial performance of the largest publicly traded technology providers on the planet. More importantly, we perform deep operational benchmarking with the technology companies that are on the TSI platform. It is that data that informs the insights you will hear in this series. So let's get uh, right into it. Ashok, welcome to Tectonic. And, and first of all, can you describe Informatica and your current responsibilities at the company? Thomas, thank you for having me here today. Uh, I've been listening to quite a few of your podcasts and it's been extremely insightful and more importantly, it's actionable. So I'm happy to join you here today and share some of my thoughts. Oh, great. And up to Informatica, uh, we are an enterprise cloud data management company. In other words, we are uh, Switzerland for data management as our CEO describes. We help companies in their digital transformation with data as a foundational asset, helping them to take better business decisions and uh, improve their customer experience. In my role at Informatica is twofold, Thomas. Uh, one, I'm responsible for global customer success, driving customer business outcome with our customer success managers and uh, customer success architects. And the other side of my role, I have the responsibility to drive experience at scale to our customers and our employees in the post-sale functions across customer support, customer success, services education and renewals team. That also includes a strategy and execution of the designing customer experience programs, content management, knowledge management, automation and data science, and it, managing some of the core applications like CRM and customer portals and communities. Wow, big job. And, and you know, as I listen to that, I mean, this, this ever growing and important relationship between customer success and the digital customer experience. So you having both of those, you know, within your, within your remit, I think, uh, is interesting and important because I think many companies are learning that those two things are very intertwined, right? Hard to separate them. Of course, you are right. Yeah, yeah. it is very much together and I, I, I have the responsibility of designing something and also kind of implementing on the other yep. end. And living and dying by it, that's good. That's very good. A closed loop there. So um, yep. now before we get into digital transformation, I, I do wanna ask you about Informatica's recent, uh, I'll call it coming out party. So, so Informatica went private, for those of you who don't know, back in, uh, we're, we're a public company, we're, we're taken private in 2015, and then became public again in October 2021. And, and I have to tell you, you know, we have several TSI members that were public uh, and have been taken private over the past, let's say, five to eight years, uh, but none of them have gone public again, even though that for all of them, that has been you know, their initial game plan. And so our observation is that some of these companies underestimated the time and treasure required to migrate from a traditional tech business model to more of an as-a-service business model. 
And so I'm really intellectually curious at a high level, why do you feel Informatica was able to successfully come back out? Yeah, that's a great question. First, let me say this as a company at this point, we are absolutely delighted and uh, proud of the moment that where we have been and uh, what we were able to accomplish over the last five to six years uh, going through the transformation ourselves. As you know, it's never a great feeling going from a public market to private. But when we reflect on what has gone through, I think it was a right decision back then where we are off from a quarter by quarter public market pressure, get ourselves pivot into a long term vision of being a cloud led company. Mm-hmm. And so we put ourselves some lofty targets uh, to make sure we have to get our subscription-led business models in place uh, with our cloud products and get all of our product offerings from an on-premise into the cloud mode. And we need some time to transform ourselves. And thirdly, it's more important that as a company, we need to change our mindset and uh, pivot into the way that we engage with customers, transform ourselves internally into modernizing our platform our processes and our systems, both front office and back office. So we had a lofty number of things to be done. And that time really helped us to transform ourselves. And we were laser focused. And now fast forward after five years, we were able to accomplish across all those areas, a checklist in terms of growing our subscription business into a consumption-based model now and modernize our systems and processes, right? And it's all about how do you preserve what you have built to thrive in what comes next. And that collective business transformation made us come back to the public market again. As I listen to you, I mean, the first half of your story is, you know, I hear that all the time, which for these companies that go private, right? They say, look, we want to get out of the quarterly spotlight. We want a chance to really, you know, redo the business model, not have to worry about the short-term, you know, quarterly financial results and go through this transformation. So I think everybody has those aspirations, but then once they get into it, they don't make the progress you just described. In other words, they don't, they aren't able to, to move aggressively to subscription. They aren't able to get the business model to go, right? They aren't able to get the, the new organizational capabilities they need in place, right? So what, what they thought initially might've been four years turns into five years, turns into seven years. And so, so I, again, I mean, you said you had your punch list and you guys worked it and you successfully worked it. Any observations in terms of why you think you know, Informatica successfully made progress where other companies stall out. I'm just curious if you have any any thoughts there. Definitely. There are a couple of things. One is uh, certainly the focus and uh, what we have set ourselves for that five-year plan. And it all comes from top down mm-hmm. and um, how we are able to kind of focus and rally against some of those goals that we have set. And it is a, a company's goal. And uh, some of those things, it doesn't happen. The five-year plan doesn't happen in a year. So we always need to bite-size what we would be able to accomplish in year one, year two, and slowly getting some of our kind of move towards, like when we look back, it was like having a lofty amount of our maintenance dollars in, in the previous generation, however, the company had. Yep. And as we look forward, it is like kind of slowly moving our business model into subscription, and at the same time, moving part of our product, which has customers has the most desire to move to cloud, focus on those products to be migrated to cloud first, and then go about taking some of your traditional big chunk of customers whom you're having in your historical legacy products, right? So taking that bite-sized approach and having a year-over-year plan and continue to executing and focus is more important. So 
doing that way has helped us really to kind of rally everyone. And of course, from a systems and technologies and processes uh, from back office to front office, that had its own pace of uh, innovation that was uh, also specific focus on all the customer facing functions. So it's kind of a combination of the discipline as well as the vision and uh, the short term goals set in the company. Yeah. And so I'll just make a couple more comments and we'll move to digital transformation. But I'm, you know, I wanted to talk about this because it's, it really is a very important topic for a lot of, especially, you know, traditional software companies going through the same journey. And, and so, so one thing you talked about there was market segmentation. So looking at that install base when you start and figuring out who's going to move first, who do we move later? I think that's a very important you know, success tactic. Uh, you also mentioned uh, you know, moving you know, the, the, the infrastructure, right? The way that your, your systems and everything, I talked to a lot of companies that they're just sort of stuck on that because you know, nothing's set up for the new model. And so I think what I heard there is, is again, that's a journey and you got to chunk it, right? And pick, decide what you're going to move first and move second in the infrastructure. We, in fact, called that as a project road trip because we were just setting ourselves from going from San Francisco to New York. We didn't put a route how we are going to go it, whether you go into uh, Reno and Salt Lake City or you go in there and then you have to take a detour and go to take an alternate route. So it was a journey yeah. for, for sure. Yeah. And so, and my final comment is if I was a software company out there that is about, maybe you're in, on this journey, you're about to embark on it, man, I'd be knocking on the door and talking to people from Informatica that went through this over the last couple of years, because I think you guys have some, you know, obviously some really good battle scars on this. So, all right, let, let's move on to, to digital uh, transformation. And, you know, that term has, has become you know, a hackneyed term in tech because everybody's throwing it around um, and it can mean you know, different things to different folks. But from the TSI perspective, we think digital transformation is very real, right? And we, and we see two clear value vectors for companies when they pursue digital transformation. And, and the first one is just reducing operational complexity. And this is, you know, you might be tearing down your, your data centers, you're moving more things to the cloud, maybe you're move, moving more of your infrastructure to hybrid or managed environments, but customers are, are, are looking to reduce operational complexity, that's number one, and there's real value there. But the second vector, which, which you know, from our perspective, we think is even more powerful, is that, you know, once customers start to, you know, run in a more connected posture, right? Where, the, where their technology vendor is, is maybe managing the technology for the customer and they have telemetry where the customer is in a truly multi-tenant cloud posture, but they're connected in a way that they weren't before. That once that happens, there's better customer telemetry that technology providers can use to leverage things like AI, robotic process automation, machine learning, and start to help their customers with new value propositions. And so that's the way we view it. But I'm really curious from your perspective, you know, what do you see as the key business benefits of pursuing digital transformation? Yeah, that's a great question again. And uh, in my opinion, there are two key areas of benefit that I would put these under. There are a lot of uh, business benefit, but uh, something comes on top of my mind in two key areas. One is uh, digital transformation really influences in simplifying the internal business processes and operating models. So what I mean by that is uh, maybe a very simple example. Uh, we have a very good and robust sales forecasting models for a while. We have uh, renewal forecasting models, but so TSIA and a lot of members like us, we are all trying to figure out um, what is an outcome forecast model, mm -hmm. for example, right? 
It's a very simple question our CCO asks us all the time. When is this customer that I have sold today a software, when is he expected to realize business value yep. or business outcome? Very simple question, but if you put it in front of all the adoption driving functions, everybody have their own perspective on it, including customer success. The CSM says something and uh, uh, professional services gives point of view, but everything is in a lens of right. what they look at the customer. Very siloed, yeah. And how we are going to bring all those things together and make sense out of it. And how are you going to stitch a business process across all these functions to look at a common way, common customer model, basically, yes. right? How are you going to provide that answer, not only just the subject to measures from all these transactional systems and processes, but also customer product usage. That's as you talked about telemetry data, it's, it's not tapped the full potential. So how can we leverage that? bring the customer sentiment across their implementation cycle, be it a professional services doing it or a partner doing it. There are signals everywhere. So we need to bring all those things together to give an answer to that outcome forecast model. That's one example where we can kind of leverage robotic automation in bringing those things together, the data silos that we have across the organization that can be brought together. Those are the areas that we really leveraged data heavily Mm -hmm. and try to bring that forecast model, for example. And there are so many examples like that within organization that a lot of, as the company grows, their information is just spread across multiple places and digital transformation really brings all of these together for meaningful outcomes. And second area, as you talked about, is how well we are going to take those data and other information about customers to bring the transformative customer engagement and experience that they come to expand. And gone are the days where we are just going to be reactive, right? And uh, I heard some of your podcasts in the past where talks about the customers want more and more, spend less time and less effort, but get more value. Mm -hmm. The more they provide us some of those information, they expect that same B2C experience in a B2B world. And it's no longer a luxury, it's a necessity for us to kind of be forward looking from that perspective. So we are trying to continue to blur the lines between product, services, marketing, and bring that experience to customers, whether they are in the product, bring that in-product experience better using those data and everything, and integrated learning portals. If they go into a into our communities or success portal, bring that hyper-personalized experience and use predictive analytics to orchestrate the customer's journey ahead of time. So be it any channel, how they interact with us, are they in our self-service channel, customers tend to expect that. And that's the transformation that's kind of rapidly growing in a very fast pace time. And if companies touch upon that, I think we, we are going to be losing that customer's um, brand recognition. So it's more from a services leader perspective, if I look at it, it's yes, it is going to obviously, it's going to be helping us reduce the cost. It's going to help improve the profit margin. But those are there. But what we are trying to build here is that emotional connection of the customers to your brand. What customers build that, how Apple built it or how Amazon built it or how uh, Southwest did it or Harley Davidson did it. Every company is thriving to bring that customer experience uh, in going through this digital transformation. So those are the few benefits that I feel like uh, is kind of transforming our business. And as I listen to you, I mean, I think an overarching or main theme, a main assertion you're making is the digital transformation should, you know, allow you, enable you to create a much better customer experience. 
And, you know, which we just recorded uh, an episode with the CEO of a company called Nuff Said, and this is the same exact theme. So for those of you that listen to that, that episode, which is this theme of customer-led growth. And customer-led growth is where you are really basically dialed into what your customer is doing, just like you said, across all the different historical stovepipes, right? How are they working with CS and PS and how are they working with the product? And, and we mm-hmm. have better data, right? And we are using that data and telemetry to tie all these stovepipes together <laughs> in, a, in a more meaningful way and orchestrate a, you know, a better experience. And so digital transformation is, is you know, a, a stack of capabilities which allows a company to do that. And, and I completely agree with your last sentiment, which is that you know, companies that aren't leaning into this thought, right? Which is how am I really creating in you know, our, our term at TSIA that uh, JB Wood, our CEO, coined at the, I think the conference of the one before, is a simple phrase that complexity kills. Yeah. <laughs> the more yeah. right, complex. And so the harder you make it on your customer, right? And the more complex it is to do business with you, that that was okay a decade ago in B2B is, is no longer you know, being accepted by your customers. And, and, and the companies that figure this out and, and stamp out the complexity through these digital transformation capabilities are going to take market share. I don't think there's any, any, any doubt about it. And Bill McDermott, the, the CEO of ServiceNow, we did a, a keynote with him and he said, he said, simplicity is a compliment to your customer, <laughs> right? Exactly. And, and I, I love that sentiment. So, um, so, so let's, so there's, there's the promise of digital transformation. So, so let's talk success tactics. If a company was beginning a digital transformation initiative, let's say that they say, hey, I really agree with what you folks are saying here. We got to get on this journey. What are the first few steps you recommend they take and why? It may be a three-step process, and uh, but as the proverb says, uh, the journey of thousand miles always starts with a single step, right? So we have to get first few steps going. And um, in my opinion, based on our experience that we're having, it's always start with the why, then go with the what and how, right? Mm-hmm. So when, when I say what is the why, we need to have a better um, definition on why customers want to transform. So every business is different, subtly different, even from ourselves and our competitors may be having a different purpose. So we need to have our purpose defined. Digital transformation is not about um, better systems and better capabilities alone, right? It, it, has, um, it has a reason behind it and we need to have, what is the deeper purpose? Are you trying to bring, the, bring up the brand value? Are you trying to get that uh, emotional connection with your customers? What is the missing piece that you're having today? And how is your business aligned? Your business model is moving from subscription to consumption-based model. That will also drive a lot of uh, reasons why we need to transform in, in, the, in the form of digital transformation. So we should have that why defined first. And then comes the what, right? What should you change? And in that, oftentimes we go with our gut feel, but... Um, good practices and lessons that we have learned is to have a proper customer maturity program. Do you have a way for you to listen to the customers, the voice of customers, and do you have an end-to-end customer analytics today? Um, It may be we are listening in one part of the company, but we are not listening on what's customer doing in your digital channels, Mm -hmm. what are they doing in your products? So getting a proper listening channel, and if you don't have everything, at least a simple survey will give you a lot more insight what the customers tending to expect from you. So these, these data points and everything will give you a good understanding on what need to change. 
And then comes how and what is your system capabilities? What is the process that's aligned today? What are the processes that's not working? And what are the gaps that we need to address with both technology and processes together? That helps you put a very solid business case and uh, digital transformation is not any specific departmental initiative. It goes to the C-level people and uh, getting their buy-in with these business use cases is key. And once you get that, it's about top-down, the change management becomes a lot easier for us to kind of go on with the further steps on what we need to implement in what phases, uh, different uh, different um, departments can go in different pace. It depends on the company's priorities. So I would say just start with the why and then do the what with the customer maturity program. And then comes the ROI and business use case and get to the C-level buy-in. And, and, and just to you know, put some comments around those observations there on the what side of it, we did a, a great episode with uh, on customer analytics with ServiceNow and where Anna talked about these, I think it was like 16 listening posts that they have and, and her, her point, and she's focused on you know, customer analytics, but her point is is 100% aligned with yours, which is you, you need broad-based telemetry to understand what is going on in multiple points in that customer journey to make informed decisions, right? Yeah. So, so I think that's a great point for folks that, you know, hey, you know, we, we want to go do this. Um, but you don't want to be making big investments based on intuition <laughs> or, yeah. or, or, or the squeaky wheel, right? You, you want to follow the data. Um, and so I, I think that's great advice. And then on, on the, you know, the how piece of it, I think the other misstep that you can see that, that I observe when, when companies are on this journey is, you know, somehow the CEO uh, is, is like delegates this, right? Like, yeah, we're going to go do that digital transformation thing. And, oh yeah, I got, I hired a digital czar or whatever, and they're going to kind of go manage that for us. And, and, you know, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I have a feeling that the transformation Informatica went through over the past couple of years, which included a business model transformation with as a service, plus a lot of this digital transformation journey to build these new capabilities, that your CEO was probably on top of that every day. Every day. It, is, it, is a, it was a boardroom talk. Yeah, for it, sure. Yes. Absolutely. And, and if it's anything less than that, it becomes an art project. Why? Because it's too freaking hard. It's yep. too hard, right? I mean, so people aren't going to do it unless they know that the CEO and the executive team and the board are saying, look, folks, this is non-negotiable. <laughs> this, is, this is the journey we're on and we've got to make progress, right? Yeah, so, so you've been always asked to flexing the new muscles, right? So yeah, it's, it's hard, right? Otherwise, we, we tend to go with our own way of doing things, for sure. Yes, absolutely. You fall back into, into the way you've always done business. So, so I think that's great coaching on success tactics. I want to flip the coin over here and talk about failure points. And we are going to put a book out this year called Digital Hesitation. And, you know, we have a point of view of what we see in terms of, you know, where companies stumble. That's why the title is digital hesitation, right? <laughs> so we, we really believe in the power of digital transformation, but we do see companies, you know, not making the progress they, they should. And, and I'm curious, you know, because you don't only have your own experience at Informatica, but you are a company that helps other companies, you know, with this journey, you know, where do you see companies commonly trip up in, in the digital transformation journey? Yeah. I can, I can point a couple of things here. Uh, one is oftentimes digital transformation and everybody's immediate perception is, uh, yeah, you call it chief digital officer or anyone, it's a chief data officer in our world. It's all about modernizing systems and technologies. People feel like sometimes, hey, throwing in a, a bunch of new technologies and um, 
refreshing our old stack with the new stack is a digital transformation. So that's the number one perception that happens in how even not only what I have seen at Informatica, but even our own customers when we sell the software, they just buy technology because they are going through a digital transformation. Mm -hmm. But when you look at it from a process, business process angle, where who need to adopt those technologies, we don't have everybody aligned and uh, ready for it, right? So that is, mm -hmm. that is the place where oftentimes, in a, even as a tech company, technically the projects go live, but business adoption is not there, then customers don't adopt and our product stickiness over time just kind of uh, falls off from the cliff, right? So it is, it is a one number one issue where we need to really look at this from a business process transformation, truly a digital transformation. And systems, without that clarity, if you push any great system or technology, it's, not, it's going to stumble from a change management and business adoption perspective. And number two, I feel is uh, it's one size doesn't fit all. Uh, when what works for one business doesn't work for others. And even if it, our own services front, if you look at it, um, there are so many customer facing digital technologies in place with um, uh, ML and AI chatbots. You can think of ways that there are a lot of companies having great success stories with chatbot, but not necessarily chatbot will work for all businesses. Mm -hmm. So going back to a point on what capability is the right fit for that business model that you're working on. In our company, we have more complex products and we introduce chatbot. We know we always need to do experiment when we don't experiment something, we won't know whether there is an adoption is there or not, but there was lack of adoption. So we need to be in a position to just kind of wind down. If something doesn't work, yeah, it's not for our business model, but that may be an expensive mistake sometimes. But the net net is what works for your business model, your product complexity dictates whether you need a chatbot or you just need a, a different model. So mm -hmm. that's the second part. And the third part is um, always when we are going this, as I said, like it is going to be a multi-year transformation. Yeah. What we can't measure can't be improved. Even if it's a small bite-sized initiatives that we are going through, we should make sure we have the right success KPIs defined for that phase of your transformation. You need, of course, you need to have your long tail success metrics, but let's have some small measures, help showcase value with that, and then kind of start building on that success to, towards your uh, broader goal. Sometimes if we don't have anything to measure success on digital transformation, be it a business process, what it has improved, what it means to your customer, have they now able to reach you faster than before using the new technologies that you're putting in place? You need to show some of those uh, metrics for you to really continue to get the top-down uh, view of this. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about one and three and the points you made there. I'll start with, with three in terms of the you know, basically thinking in both short-term and long-term simultaneously. Again, I think this is great coaching because it is a multi-year journey and, and companies have got to embrace that. They've got to sign up for that reality that they're not going to transform the way they're doing business, you know, in four quarters. But but at the same time, and, and you're, you're making, I think, a really wise point is you can't, you know, can't say, look, trust us, it's going to be really awesome in three years. I mean, you've got to basically say, look, you know, we're going to start this journey, you know, by the way, you know, in this first fiscal year, by the end of it, here's some of the benefits we expect to start to see. And I think that that balance is, is um, you know, very important. And then to go back to the first point you made about adoption, you know, as I was listening to you, I, I, I don't know why I just had this flash of a Peloton 
bike. And, I, and I'll tell you why, because, you, you know, you think about, you know, somebody, you know, I think about the first stationary bike I, I, I ever had and, and, and they're just, it's just a dumb, stupid bike. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and either you get on it or, or, or not. And then nowadays, you know, you can go out and buy this amazing piece of technology that has the screen and they have classes for you. And I mean, it's really engaging and, you know, it's, it, should, it should be way more fun and all this great stuff. So the technology is leaps and bounds ahead of what it used to be, which is true for the, you know, the products we're putting on the table in front of customers, right? I mean, this technology is way better, but you still have to get on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You still have to get on the bike, right? If it sits there in the corner, it becomes a coat hanger, right? Then exactly. what's the point? And, and so I think that that, that, you know, I think, again, people think if I just make this investment in this really slick technology, boom, all my problems are solved and, and they're not. So um, again, I think really, really good coaching there. So, so um, I, I want to actually, uh, you know, talk about your roles and responsibilities because as we've already established, you have customer success and digital customer experience together. And I want to start with customer success. And I think this is, it continues to be an important conversation because there are still lots of customer success organizations out there that are what I have called on this podcast, financial art projects, mm-hmm. where you know they don't really have a model to scale, right? And, and, and they don't have a financial model and they're just, you know, they're struggling, you know, to, to, to really deliver customer success you know, at scale. So from your perspective, what are key tactics to scale customer success? Yeah, so that's uh, that's in every customer success organization as I talk with some of our peers and everyone, that is the number one uh, topic that's uh, hot in the market, right, for customer success. How can we really uh, scale? Uh, how can we drive success at scale? So as I was running uh, customer support before and the digital experience team, I've been running it for a decade, Plus now, uh, we have seen how much transformation has gone in the uh, in the digital experience side of things when it comes to support and professional services mm-hmm. in the form of self service, knowledge management, communities, etc. What's different in customer success? It's a fairly new function. First of all, it is a it's a relationship driven at its core, right? It's a, it's not a transactional uh, solution delivery function. So it is, uh, it, is, it is hard from that perspective to see what can we replace with, um, with scale. But when you double click on a customer success function where right now in any post-sale um, sale experience, they have been kind of the Uber persona to do everything <laughs> and uh, manage the customer's milestones, journey and everything. So it looks like uh, a lot more has come in uh, customer success responsibility from that perspective. But when you look closer, you can look at customer success manager do a lot more repetitive items like standard onboarding, sending best practices for a certain product, reviewing support metrics periodically with the customer, sending a release notes if a new upgrade is coming around the corner. So when you look at the activities that they do, there is a lot of opportunities for us to do it at scale. We can use process automation. You can have journey-based um, kind of uh, sending an email campaign to them and what's the right thing stuff uh, that can reach the customer's mailbox at the right time. So Mm -hmm. there are plenty of opportunities if you look at it from that perspective that takes, relieves the repetitive nature of a success manager to do on a daily basis. So we are performing a lot of those things in our digital customer engagement strategy. And that's one side of the coin where 
you're making the customers do more. So we are trying to take a lot of these back into the success portal, which is going to be the online mm -hmm. interface for customers like support portal, the success portal where we and customers can manage a success plan collaboratively. And they help us to put some of their outcomes, milestones and all those stuff online. So we are taking it to the next level in terms of how customer engagement can be done more and more online. And the other side of the coin is, as we put more value to customers by going online, can the CSMs handle more contextual discussion with the customers? They have been asked mm -hmm. to do like, instead of 10 accounts per CSM, we are always pushing ourselves, can they do 15, 20 accounts per CSM? So they cannot be humanly having all the information and follow-ups and everything in their hand. The other side of success at scale is to empower the CSMs with the right level of information, with the digital transformation, at any point of time in the customer's journey, what is the right um, signals that as I talked earlier across the enterprise that they be aware of. Oftentimes they don't have that information. They just make cold calls to the customer and uh, that doesn't build that trust and confidence between the customer and the CSM. So mm -hmm. as we elevate the, elevate the pitch of a CSM, we are continuing to see what, how can they be more strategic? How can they be more data-driven? So that's the other side of customer success at scale where we are making the CSMs feel better, CSMs be feeling more productive and doing the right thing to the customer. You, you know, you said something really important and insightful at the beginning of that, which is that you know the customer success function is about relationship, which which is different than a lot of the other service functions, which you know are very very valuable with the customer, but they are more transactional, right? I have a support incident; it's a transaction. I'm doing a PS project to implement; that's a transaction, right? You're, you're, I'm going to do an education class; you're going to teach me; that's still a, a transaction, right? But the CSM has this ongoing relationship and that's part of the of the art right yeah. <laughs> in science they're part of the art you know what you said especially for your your largest most strategic customers you're not trying to automate the relationship exactly. what you're trying to do is really double down and automate anything that supports the relationship right that makes it easier for the csm to have a valuable relationship with that customer because i'm not undermining the uh onboarding or giving a best practice, those things all are still important from customer perspective because they, they tend to expect that from a CSM. Yep. But is it worth CSM to be spend, spending their wheel and time to chase for those kind of information, which can be a lot more automated? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so again, looking for the opportunities where you're not trying to wring out the entire you know, relationship that you really want to be built. Um, and then secondly, this, this concept of co-creating with a customer. Mm -hmm. Right. So whether you're co-creating success plans or you're, you know, you're just in, in and you're right. In, in some ways you're putting, you know, more of a burden on the customer, you know, or effort from the customer. But I also would submit, you know, and I, I have no data behind this, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, have this hypothesis that if you can get customers to actually co-create with you, they're more vested in that relationship and what you're co-creating. We're, we're working together on a success plan. It's not that you, Informatica, is handing me a success plan in a bow. And then, yeah, maybe I lean into it. Maybe I don't. I mean, we worked on this together. And then after we built this thing together, we're going to work together to make sure that, you know, I'm making progress as a customer. And I think that's also a really, you know, interesting opportunity for sure. You nailed it right, um, Thomas. That, that commitment from both sides is missing. A lot of customer success organization thinks like we have owning it and we have to make customer use it but we all know customer paid for it and uh, they have 
equal or even more responsibility to make sure they have been they are going to be successful. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so great insights there. And and then let's turn to the actual digital customer experience. And you know, it's our perspective, uh, unfortunately, that a lot of the the B two B companies are are woefully behind on designing you know a really compelling you know digital customer experience. And, and by compelling, I mean, you know, an experience that is really designed to minimize the friction, right? The customer is going to experience when they're trying to buy, when they're trying to implement, when they're trying to get some help, when they're trying to pay their bill, whatever, right? And so from your perspective, what are some of the key lessons you've learned uh, around designing an effective digital experience for customers? Yeah, that's, that's a passion for us here in terms of uh, designing a great uh, digital customer experience. It all starts with uh, one mindset change that we go through and the lessons learned was, uh, as again, if you put a journey mapping, it's not about what, so if you put all our functions together and do a journey mapping, everybody is going to just pitch in saying like, hey, what should customer do during an onboarding time? What should a customer do during an implementation? And we try to put our services or everything around it. So it's always looking from STSIA, you teach the layer model and PIMO model, you always start with the, the layer model, right? How we look at it, the customer, rather than how the customer is looking at you. Mm-hmm. So that that's the first change that we had to go through where it's like designing the customer experience is more from a customer point of view mm-hmm. and uh, rather than an inside out uh, perspective. So we, we have gone through that and uh, just making sure that journey mapping and uh, the journey map assessment always uh, looks at from a UX design it may not be just a website design or something. The customer experience goes from a product angle, right? Okay. Initially start in an as-a-service model. It's not just about the experience that we build outside anymore. It's about the experience starting with the product, even from a trial process to a conversion, to a handshake, to a CSM. So everything goes in a, in a sequence. So we look at it from a customer lens. That's very important. And secondly, as I said, uh, in an as-a-service model, Product is a big component. We don't used to talk with the product organization that much in the past, but we are co-creating experience by working with the product teams. So there should be more ownership between a customer experience team that we have and the product owners or the product managers. In other words, as you said, uh, one, one way of that partnership is more to say like, uh, what kind of in-product experience that we are going to build, right? If you're a customer, you are going in your product, and you're using it, you're consuming a feature. And if you don't know how to consume, there is a quick walkthrough option. Customer doesn't know whether it's a product feature or is it a service feature that's helping them to walk through. But I'm just giving an example. And then Mm -hmm. on a click, if they are stumbling to do something, a knowledge management article pops up saying like, hey, this is how you do it. So more and more customers tend to expect that in product experience and on a click how they can get a help. So we are co-creating those experience by working with product managers. And uh, on the other side of things, it's not just about product. How can all the other processes can be optimized for customer experiences where the telemetry is uh, kind of not an afterthought anymore. By working with the product managers, when we create some of this experience, they are also ready to give a few in terms of uh, building that inbuilt telemetry capabilities that we can use for other service option as well. So these are two areas and bringing all these things together in analytics is a key. Uh, We talk about the predictive analytics and how we have to centralize customer database is important. Uh, 
most companies look at data as a very point need at any point of time for their experience, but a clean, trustable customer data is key. Easily said, but it's a hard problem in enterprises as you grow yep. to bring all your customer data into a single place to provide that kind of uh, targeted campaigns, personalized experience and whatnot. So that comes next in terms of having a foundational customer data platform. Yeah. You know, in what you started with in terms of having the customer lens to design the experience, right? You can't be doing this from the inside out. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many, you know, tech companies I talk to and they say, you know, well, well Thomas, we are, we are customer led or we are customer centric, right? That is, that is, that's the word, right? But when you just poke on that a little bit <laughs> and you say, so let's talk, you know, so how are you, how, what does that mean? What are you, what are you doing to truly understand what the customer experience is? You know, it's a thin veneer, right? It, you know, it, it's a, it's a, you know, a phrase that's on the wall on a poster, but they're not really committed to it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it breaks down pretty quickly. And they say, well, you know, we can't do that. Why? Because our system doesn't work that way. Well, we can't do that. Well, that's not the way, you know, we want to recognize revenue. We can't do that. because So they have all these internal reasons they can't do things that their customers want them to do. That doesn't, to me, sound ultimately very customer-centric. And so I think two things on this, right, on a compelling digital customer experience. Number one, you, you, you have to not just say it. I mean, the, the classic, you know, you, you basically have to walk the talk. Right? You have to really believe it. And then the second thing you said, and, and you should, again, be following the data, you know, not just your, your gut, your intuition, follow the, the best customer data you have to help those customers, you know, to take out that friction and help them have a good experience. So the, um, okay, so I, I'm going to shift gears on you um, a, a little bit here, because uh, I know you're, you're anchored on the customer success side of the house, but customer success organizations interface quite a bit with the sales organization. And you mentioned it already in this episode that, you know, CS is still a relatively new function when it comes to the history of tech, right? So, so, so it's still sort of feeling out, how does it work, right? With sales and with product teams and et cetera, et cetera. And, and I'm curious as you're sitting in, in, in the chair of this and you look across the company, you know, how do you think, you know, what's the digital transformation gonna look like on the sales side for, for sales organizations? Yeah, I, as we go through the, when, when we're still going through the digital transformation, it is a, it's a company-wide, how we do business, uh, especially all the customer facing function, which sales is predominantly very important uh, organization from that perspective. So we have a, uh, any other companies having the sales CSM who owns the customer, <laughs> the healthy argument that always happens right in a post sales yes. cycle. Yes, um, yes. Who is going to do what? And um, what we are breaking some of the silos is again using the the digital customer platform and how we can all work off from the same data platform. Sometimes mm-hmm. maybe small, your CRM system gives you all that visibility because you use the same case management to a success management, to a opportunity management, everything in the same system and uh, how you are going to orchestrate your process. It may be simple, but as the companies grow, we have a, a lot of silos in what is being managed by whom and who has the visibility. So we, ha- we are continuing to kind of have that shared data model for all of us to have a same 360 view of a customer. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's more about uh, the visibility that each other can provide in terms of account planning. And one area that I'm seeing digital transformation is transforming beyond the traditional sales transformation that's needed for better pipeline management or uh, op- 
opportunity management, there is a need for account management principles. So uh, interesting. the key accounts being managed, how can uh, sales, pre-sales, customer success, and a marketing owner all kind of play an equal role in managing the account together? It's beyond the success plan. Success plan is still a CSM's lens on customer's outcome and stuff. That will be a component of overall account planning. But we are seeing a lot more development that's happening on how can we do a cohesive, full potential account management. So a lot of as, uh, as a service company, like including us, our common target from a financial perspective is um, net dollar retention uh, and net, uh, net, net retention mm-hmm. rate in yeah. ours. It's no longer you do hunting, uh, I do farming. It's just kind of a process where we are going to be in this together, right? So how are we going to do that account planning in a periodic fashion together between sales and CS? And how will we can be informed between both of us if you're not going to be hand and glove on a daily basis, right? So that's becoming one of the prominent one in the course of it that blurs the line that we need a formal sales handoff of a deal closure time it becomes a, a process where CSM start engaging prior to the deal closure uh, automatically because of this account management. So we have done some good prototyping over the last uh, six to 12 months, which has created a big NPS improvement internally with both sales and CS organizations. So we are trying to now mainstream some of those account management and uh, seamless handoff process in the, in the course of uh, our system and process improvements. We, you know, you opened up there with this you know, I'll call it the battle royale around, quote, who owns the customer, right? And, and, and historically in tech companies, there's been really no debate about that. It is sales. The account executives have, quote, owned the customer. And then you put something like CS in play, but then again, it's not just CS. There could be mm-hmm. uh, professional service consultants involved. There could be sales engineers. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of you know, people involved. And, you, you know, when I hear this and we get this question a lot, right? People say, well, hey, in these new models, who quote owns the customer? Because the, the customer wants one throat to choke. So who <laughs> owns that customer? And you know, our assertion is that the process has to own the customer. And you mentioned it, right? You, you know, you have to really have well understood account management processes and people understand the role they're playing. And guess what? There's going to be a lot of different, you know, people touching the customer for different reasons. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and everybody's going to have, it is a team sport. It is a team sport and everybody's going to have to get comfortable with that. And that is actually one area where I think sales is, is going to need to lean into that reality, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, gone are the days where, you know, account rep says, you know, either, you know, A, that's my account or, hey, nobody talks to customer A unless I approve, you know, that, right? I mean, that's, that's been very common behavior historically. That's crazy in this new world. That makes no sense. Um, but, but people really do need to understand roles and responsibility. The customer needs to understand, you know, you know who they're talking to for, for what. But it's going to take a village to why, because, again, it's not that you just dumped a million dollars of software in this customer and you can move on. You know, you, you got them on this subscription and you need them to adopt. You need them to, re, to renew. You need them to expand. And that is not one salesperson on a hamster wheel making all that happen. Exactly. That has got to, you know, got to be a team sport. So, so I think that, that that's one change we see uh, in, ter- in terms of sales organizations. And I think the other one is we really do believe they also have to be, become much more data-driven in terms of where they focus their time and, and, and those account analytics, those customer analytics help them, you know, focus on what makes sense to talk to the customer about. So 
I think um, I, I think there's an evolution there. I'll just put my cards on the table. There's an evolution there on the sales side, and um, you, you know uh, we'll see how it plays out over the next couple of years. Well, hey, I, I want to be respectful of your time. We've, we've uh, had a lot of good conversation here. Um, anything else we didn't cover? You we should put on the table, or are we are we good? I think we covered a lot of good number of topics. I would say um, just as a, my final wrap up is to make sure you design your digital experience from a customer point of view, uh, have an effective voice of customer program. If you don't have one or just, just pick your top customers and start talking with them, right? And uh, it's always about starting small, get your success KPIs right and uh, measure it and keep building on the success. And um, don't forget about the exec buy-in. It's always yeah, absolutely. need, need yeah. them to bless you. And uh, I think uh, those are my final words of wisdom here. Oh, fantastic. Well, I, you know, Ashok, I, I really thank you for joining us here. I, I want to give a shout out to, to John Ragsdale, who you know well, and he, yes. he really recommended. He said, hey, you, if you're going to be talking, if you want to talk about digital transformation, Ashok's the guy. And so I'm so glad that, that he made that recommendation. Um, you know, and, and I think what we've proven in this conversation is that digital transformation is, is not a buzzword, right? I mean, and that there's some real there there. There's some real benefits. Um, and, and as always, I like to end these episodes with a big question of the day. And so I want to know which phrase best describes the journey your company is experiencing. Is it A, digital transformation, B, digital hesitation, or is it C, digital disaster? Thanks for listening today. Cheers.